the book of Psalms in chapter 78. Psalms chapter 78. Um, <clears throat> while you're finding that place, um, what I've, I've been ministering this in several different places because it's so important to me. You know, when you understand your spiritual lineage, you draw from it. We don't just study it to, um, to just say, oh, yeah, we knew that person. Or, yeah, that person used to be in our lives. You know, today they have websites and whole companies that they make a profession out of just finding where you came from. Now, the thing is, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't matter where you came from in that line. What matters is your new line and where you came from. The Bible says we are children of Abraham, not by bloodline, but by faith line. And so we don't have to try to get in the bloodline of being a Jew because we're already in the faith line. Amen. And we're sons of Abraham. And so because of that, we're in line for the inheritance he walked in. And so it matters to us our spiritual lineage, not our natural lineage. In fact, some of you might really be proud of your natural lineage. Just because your grandfather succeeded doesn't mean you'll succeed. And so you can go back and find in your natural lineage some real heroic type people, but that won't bring you into that that heroism. Amen. You have to, you can't, uh, someone may pass you their name, but that doesn't mean they've passed you their, their successes. Those are something you win for yourself. But when it comes to spiritual things, now then it matters that you know what's in your lineage because it's going to assist you in your future when you know that. And God's been having me to teach along these lines because uh, there's some things connected to our future with what happened in our lineage. And uh, you remember how my husband would come and he would say, uh, doc, how Dr. Summerall had Smith Wigglesworth to lay hands on him and he received impartations. Then Dr. Summerall laid hands on Ed. He says, I've gotten Smith, Smith Wigglesworth impartations in me. Why is that? Because although those men left, what they left on the earth uh, can still move in our lives. So our spiritual lineage is so, so important. Because if we will understand that, we will draw on the impartations and uh, the things that God did through them and worked through them, and it accelerates us, and it pushes us forward. Dad Hagen always said this. He said, if you don't go further than I did, he said, you fail. We're not just trying to equal. We're trying to go further. And the only way we can go further is we have to know where our starting point is. Our starting point is where our lineage is. Amen. It doesn't matter really whether you came from a home that's Christian or not. Now that you're hooked up with a local church in the body of Christ, you now have a divine lineage that will ensure, help ensure your success if you learn how to draw on it. I was watching the great-granddaughter of Smith Wigglesworth, and they were interviewing her. And um, so she was telling something that happened. Of course, she had many stories about her great-grandfather that were precious. She had stories of her own parents, her own grandparents, because they were all in ministry together. And she told some of the miracles that happened throughout their ministry. And... uh, she said she was invited to a big conference and all they wanted her to do was open in prayer for the conference. And when she got up to pray, see, because of her lineage, they wanted her in the house. 
You understand that? It matters who your lineage is. And so uh, they had her to open this big convention with prayer. And she said when she got up and closed her eyes to pray, she had a vision. And in the vision, Jesus pulled up a chair among all the people. And he sat down in front of her and said, tell me your stories. Now listen to that. Jesus said, tell me your stories. So Jesus is interested in the story of your life that comes from him. Heaven was saying, I want you to rehearse what heaven has done for you. It's not the story necessarily of what you did before you were saved. He's talking about your faith life story, not your carnal life story, not your failure life story, your faith life stories. He wanted her to tell people, tell what has happened in your life through your faith life and through the spiritual lineage. Heaven was interested. He was pulling up a chair to sit and listen. Now, we know this. Jesus knew her stories, but he wanted to know what she knew about her stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, do we have scripture for this? Well, we're, we're going to talk about that. Jesus was a storyteller. He told stories. He told parables because he knew that when you wrapped a truth in a story, people would carry the whole thing with them. And sometimes if you just drop random revelations, if it's not wrapped up in a story, sometimes it's lost. Sometimes it's forgotten about. But if you show it in an example or show it through a story of your life, then people remember the story and therefore the revelation isn't lost of that story. So um, uh, the Bible is a story. It's a story of God's plan. It's a story of people of faith. It's a story of people who walked with God, people who knew God. And throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, he wanted to hear the stories of the people around him. Remember, he was going with Jairus to his house to minister to his daughter that was actually now dead. And on the way, there's a woman who she had an issue of blood and she pressed upon him to touch. And when she did, power flowed out of him into her. And uh, he stopped and he said, somebody touched me. Now, the disciples kind of, if I could say this with a little bit of rebuke, said, the multitude's thronging you. Meaning there are many hands touching you. What do you mean somebody touched you, basically? And they were giving him kind of a, that's kind of a general statement, is it? But to somebody who received, it's a specific statement. Some sermons might be general in some people's hearing, but to someone who received, that was not a general, that was not a general word. My miracle was in that thing. And so this woman, although it was a general statement Jesus made in everyone else's hearing, to her it was specific. He's asking me for my story. He said, who touched me? And so she came before him and it says she told him all the truth. She didn't tell him part of the truth. She told him all the truth. You know what that means? She told her whole story. 
She told how she had been sick for 12 years. She told how she had taken all of her money and she had spent. She told that she had gotten worse with each time she went to the doctor. Not to say doctors are bad, but in her situation, they weren't able to help her. And every remedy to help her ended up hurting her more and more and more. How did how did the writer of that book know the story? Because he sat and listened to her tell all the story. And you know sometimes some women can tell all the story. But I don't know, I've been around some men who can tell all the story too. So it's not just a gender telling, you know. But it said she came before him and told him all the truth. And notice this, that the Savior on his way to raise the dead stopped and took time to hear all the story. God wants you to be telling your stories to people because their help is in your stories. Don't treat lightly what God has brought you from and brought you into. Don't because it's so common to you. It's so ordinary to you, but to someone who needs a miracle, it's their revelation. It's their answer. You need you know the best way this church is going to grow by you telling people what God's done for you. That's the way. People can do all kinds of programs, but the way that the church is going to grow in a healthy way is you telling someone what God will do for them because you know by experience what he's already done for you. And if you don't tell your stories, someone is robbed of their answer. You understand? I mean, you think about it. We went to Dad Hagen's memorial service, and there were thousands that were in that building. I mean, there, and I, we said there will never be another gathering in our lifetime on the earth like this one because all the leading men of God that were still alive on the earth were in that one building. Wow. Think about it. Yeah. All over the world they came to pay honor to this man who he got up and basically his ministry came out of one story. I was born again at 20 minutes till 8 in the south bedroom of 405 North College Street in the city of McKinney, Texas. And then he talks about how he felt himself leave his body and go down to hell three times. And then he was raised up. And that one story went throughout the whole earth and changed the entire complexion of the earth. One story. Just think what your one story can do at the workplace. Just think what your one story can do throughout your family. Don't treat lightly what God has done in your history because it is somebody else's remedy for their future. Don't treat it lightly. It may just sound something light to you, but be sure and take time to tell all the story of what God's done for you. Amen. Because every one of our stories vary a little bit differently. They vary. And I want you to know somebody needs to know what God's done for you because their answer is tucked away in that telling. And who are we to rob others of the help God has for them by hearing our stories. Yes. Who are we to do that? Right. Yes. And we said it, we said in Dad Hagen's memorial service, and I, I made, we made this statement. There were several of, of us ministers that had traveled there and sitting together and said, if the devil had only known the fruit of this man's faith, he would have never caused him to be born prematurely. He would have never 
caused him to be on his deathbed as a 15 and 16 year old for 17 long months because he, Dad Hagen on that bed of death got a revelation. And that one revelation carried through the whole earth. Listen, God's not promoting ministries. Can I tell you what he's promoting? Messages. If a ministry leaves the message that God's promoting, they will not be promoted. The thing that promotes your life is carrying the message. You understand that. Dad Hagen used to say, it's not about your ministry. It's about the message. I remember I was talking to one pastor who I have a lot of confidence in his experiences. And he said he had a vision and he saw angels carrying. He said it looked to be something like the ark. But he said what it was, it was something that contained the oracles of God. And they're going through the earth seeing who will proclaim these oracles. And those who would say yes and agree with them, the angels would impart and they would, they would help drive home the message of these oracles. And so uh, they, he saw through that that the angels were very protective of the message. I want you to know you need to protect the message of what God's done in the testimony of your life and share it with people. Yes, that's good. Amen. We asked, uh, we were with Dad Hagen one time at dinner. This is one of our last times we got to be with him. And I took seven hours of notes on conversations with him. I, I don't know if he saw under the table, I'm just writing away, the, the stories he was telling because I didn't want it lost. And one of the things that he told, he was, he was coming to a certain city and the pastors that had hosted his meetings in that city were there around the table. And they said, Dad... They said, before you came to our city, an area pastor got up and said to his congregation, don't you go to those Hagen meetings. He preaches heresy and started not just speaking against him, but speaking against what he preached. And so this pastor said to Dad Hagen, what will happen to him? Because he did that. And Dad Hagen says, well, nothing's going to happen to him because he said something against me. But something will happen to him because he spoke against the message. It's not the people. It's not the ministry. It's the message. And I tell you what, this is what makes me and your pastor so valuable in the earth is we're holding to the message. When people are trying to build their ministry, we're trying to promote a message. It's not about us trying to fill our church with people. It's about us taking the message of God that God has imparted into our hearts and putting that in the lives of people. And the message is where their help is. The message is where their answer is. So I'm not trying to build the ministry. I'm holding to the message and I'm not letting anything of the modern church rip the truth and the revelation that God has brought us through our, our, our pioneers of faith, not letting, us, not letting anyone diminish that message because there's where the future of the help is. Amen. Now, Psalm 78, are you there with me? Verse 1, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified Translation. Now, listen to this. Give ear, O my people. In other words, make sure you hear this. My mom used to say to us, and she'd say to the grandkids when they'd come around her house because she's going to give them instruction. You know they're running off and not listening. She'd say, do you have your ears on? Put your ears on. This is what they're saying. Give ear. Put your ears on. You need to make sure you hear this. 
Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Couldn't we say to my message? Incline your ears to the words of my mouth or to the message I'm going to give you. I will open my mouth. Now, this is really talking about Jesus, isn't it? I will open my mouth in a parable, in instruction by numerous examples. Your testimony is an example to somebody else of what God will do for them. I will utter dark sayings of old that hide important truth. Tucked away in your testimony is hidden the truth of God's, of God's word to people's lives. Verse 2, which we have heard and known and our, listen to this, our fathers have told us. So he's not just talking about the things that have happened in their life. He's saying, what about what things that God did in your father's life? What about God, what God did in those who imparted into you? Verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, but we will tell to the generation to come the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonderful works that He has performed. It's not about us and what God's doing with us. It's about what God is doing. It's not about promoting us. Yes. It's not about promoting our plan. It's yes. about what has he worked. Yes. People need to know it. Yes. Verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob. Now look at look at this. And he appointed a law in Israel. So he turned something into a law. What did he turn into a law that they should make the great facts of God's dealings with Israel known to their children? He made it a law. You must, by a spiritual law, pass on to your children what God has done in previous generations. And in your generation, it is a law heaven sets. It must pass on. And if you don't pass it on, you're a lawbreaker in the eyes of heaven. Because you're robbing future generations of what they need to know about God to to succeed in what they're called to do. Dad Hagen used to make this statement. He said, the revelations I've gained have nearly cost me my life. Then he went on and explained that. He said, that is, I went down to death's door before I even got the revelation of what God was trying to show me. Now, why, did, why was he telling us the revelation? So we wouldn't go down to death's door. Yes. If we don't tell the revelations and hold to what God showed previous generations, future generations can be lost. Yes. Dad Hagen used to say to us that God told him that if you don't teach this next generation how to flow with the Holy Ghost, an entire generation will be lost who does not know the flow of the Holy Ghost. Now, Dad told, God told Dad, start having Holy Ghost meetings. He didn't for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, he started having heart failure. You want to know why? Because he was a carrier of a message and a revelation and he wasn't telling it to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it, that disobedience, the devil was able to attack him. God wasn't putting it on him, but because he wasn't being faithful to impart to the next generation all that he knew. This is so important that your grandchildren know what happened to your previous generations. 
They need to know about your walk with God and they need to know about your parents' walk with God, those who had a, gener- who had a history spiritually with God. They need to know that because at a time of crisis, then you give God ammunition or you give God something to draw on so that they can, they can remember, oh, God did this for my grandfather. God did this for my parents. If he did that for them, he'll do it for me. When we read the Bible, we think so much that all these things happened a lot in in people's lives and happened in a short amount of time. There really was just a a random act here, a random act there. It was just several times in a lifetime, but because we read it, it sounds like people's whole lives were full of it. And that's not true. They took the history and they remembered it and they rehearsed it, but there really in a, in a life, there's not many, 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 many spectacular dealings of God. You've got to gather up the collection of all the dealings of God around your life so that you have a whole history to draw on. Does that make sense to you? For example, I will at times, in the times I've sensed, I'll go on a service and I'll sense the anointing come on me in a certain way. And I'll go, now, I haven't ever sensed that, that type of anointing. I wonder what that is. And I'll say, Father, what is that anointing to do? And the Holy Ghost will tell me what to do with that anointing. Mm -hmm. Now, the next time I sense that, he doesn't say a thing to me about it. Mm -hmm. Why? He expects me to remember Remember. when he explained it to me the first time. You understand that? He expects me to be a good student and for me to honor by remembering what he already told me because he won't be telling two, three, four, five, six times when he expects you at one telling to remember it. It's the same thing with testimonies. If God has shown himself to your family in a certain way, he expects you to remember that. Does that make sense to you? I tell you what, people don't realize the importance of this. It's, It's so important that God made it a law. And he said by this law, It's a law, a spiritual law that heaven sets in place that you are to take what God has done in generations past and you're to pass it on to the children. Do not let it be lost. Do not treat it dishonorably just because it didn't happen to you. You are a partaker of it through someone else's experience. You don't have to be the, you don't have to be the place all these things originate. You become a partaker. Now, verse 5, why did he make this a law that we pass down the revelations, the experiences, the truth, the message that former generations had? Why is it, why did he make it a law? Number 5 tells us that the generation to come might know them and the children still to be born might arise and recount them to their children. He didn't say just because it didn't happen to me, I'm not going to tell it. Because it happened to anybody in your faith line. Amen. Now, this is, goes on in verse 7 and it says that they might set their hope in God. Whether future generations excel in God depends on what they learn from you. Whether you passed on what God taught you or not. Whether you passed on what God taught your grandparents and your parents, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. It's a law that you don't forget the works of God. But might keep His commandments. So what you know about what God did in somebody else's life will help you keep the commandments. Did you notice that? It'll help you walk in obedience. 
Look at verse 8. And that they might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their hearts aright nor prepared their hearts to know God and whose spirits were not steadfast and faithful to God. Notice this. When you hear the testimony of your parents, your grandparents, and you prize and you value those and you rehearse them and you retell them and you pass them on to the children, notice this. It will keep your heart from being wrong. It'll keep you from being stubborn. It'll keep you from rebelling. When you hear the story of how they rebelled and how God rescued them, you go, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going that way and you're not going that way because we've been taught better. They went through difficulties that we should never experience and we're going to be a good student and listen. Amen. It'll help your spirit be steadfast and faithful to God. People don't realize that their history is part of their future when it's a history of faith. And it will help define some things for them. Amen. Those generations who don't hear the great testimonies of their faith pioneers will lack something they need to advance. This is why my concern is for a lot of what's going on in the modern church today. It's, It's though they're casting away and dismissing what the previous generation gained because they want to identify themselves apart. They want their own successes. What if you did that in the medical field? Come on. What if you did that in the medical field? Well, our generation didn't discover the polio vaccine or the smallpox vaccine. We're casting that out. We're so far advanced. We have greater technology than they had. You're a fool. In fact, what is, being, what is being used today in the medical field came because somebody honored what a previous medical scientist learned in previous generations, and they keep building, and they keep building, and they keep building, but the church dismisses and throws it away because the people are old. But that's exactly what they do. And it's, you know what it is? It's dishonor. It's disrespect because I don't need to find something for myself. I want to know what God told another man and I want to go on from there and not go back to the difficulties they experienced. Amen. I hold great honor for our pioneers of faith. I study them. I study. Well, can I tell you this? If you don't honor what happened in past generations, then the Bible means nothing to you because it's all about past generations. That's true. That's true. But what do we do? We study those to find out, I'm, all, I'm, not, I'm not going to do what that one did. Right. I'm going to do what that one did. I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to do that. Because whether or not we succeed depends on how, how good of a student we are of previous generations. Now, those of you who sit here who had parents that were spiritual, that moved with God, you have a head start in life. You better use your head start. Use your head start. Yeah. Don't cast it aside. Yeah. Don't treat it as unimportant. Come on. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, it's the truth. Yeah. Amen. When you hear what God did through your parents or your grandparents, something's imparted to you whether you realize it or not. I, uh, I know of someone close to me. They had a call on their life and they never fulfilled it. Went to heaven without fulfilling it. 
But I have an idea of why they didn't fulfill it. Because as a young child, they sat around a dinner table and they would often talk about this. That they were raised in church, but after church every, every Sunday, the parents would come home and badmouth the preacher, badmouth the people in the church. And as a child, something went, of that was imparted into this young man. And he grew up with a dishonor for preachers. Therefore, when the call was on him, he wouldn't fulfill it because he dishonored that office. Well, even so, when you sit around a dinner table and somebody talks rightly about their church, rightly about their pastor, rightly about what God's doing in the congregation, something good is imparted into your children that's going to help them in their future. Amen. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 23. Verse 10. Proverbs 23, verse 10. And it says this. Remove not the old landmark. And enter not into the fields of the fatherless. What's a landmark? Well, back then, the way they would set boundaries is they would build small rock walls. Let me be short. You go over, we went over to Ireland, and the whole place, everywhere, these short rock walls all over. That's, these are my boundaries. Now, and it, it would tell you in the Bible, it would warn you about don't go in the middle of the night and start scooting little by little that wall over. <laughs> Because that wall showed somebody where their limits were. Yes. And, there, and if you were a thief, so to speak, just, you wouldn't move it at big, time, big you know, feet. You just start moving little by little. And he said, don't do that. Remove not the landmarks. Why? Those boundaries show don't go, don't go beyond this. You know what? When you tell the stories and the testimonies of your spiritual lineage, it's setting boundaries. Don't you go this direction. Don't you go and, and, and partake of this. It yes. keeps you safe. Yes. You know, don't get into the error of that doctrine. Yes. Don't get into that kind of mess over there. Right. Because all these things cycle through. Wrong doctrines, erroneous doctrines always come back through. But if you know what your spiritual lineage is and you don't start removing the boundaries thinking you're bigger, yes. thinking you're something special, right. you can, that you got more faith than the previous one and you got a better method than the previous right. one and you start disregarding and dishonoring, then you get out to a place where now you're starting to get out of the boundaries that you're not going to be so safe anymore. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, praise the Lord. Our spiritual fathers took ground in the spirit realm. Don't lose that ground. Amen. Thankfully, the, the wonderful thing you have is you have this generational family in ministry. Pastor Jordan and Lauren will never have to face what Pastor Jacobs and Pastor Diana dealt with. If they hold to that, if you as a congregation remember what Dr. Jacobs and Pastor Diana taught you, it will help you go further with Pastor Jordan and Pastor Lauren. You understand that? It's not one replacing the other. It's one carrying it further. Amen. And realizing that this couple is never disposable because without them, your foundation leaves. You always draw. Always draw. Amen. 
If we don't honor it and hold to it, we'll lose some things. Right. Amen. Amen. If we lose what has been gained by previous generations. I mean, there are people that have... Can I tell you an example? There's a, a pastor that before he was pastoring, he was a staff member of a church. Ed had gone to that church and Ed said, the candlestick that used to be in a larger church in the city, they left the message. And so it, that Ed said, by the Spirit, that candlestick has come to this church. The vision that that other one was to fulfill, they quit honoring their history, they quit honoring their past, they quit honoring the message that God put in the foundation of that church. They wanted to find something new, find something hip, find something you know that went on with what the modern people were doing, so yeah. to speak. And so they left the message. See, the devil, method, it's all right that methods change as long as the message stays the same. It's about the message. And so many times the devil will want to change the method because he can slip the message out sometimes when the methods change. And you have to make sure the methods might change, but the message never changes. We keep building with greater revelation. We're not replacing it with something new and weird. I've told our Bible school students, you know how to stay out of error, stay out of anything new. Amen. Stay with the foundational messages and keep building with the revelation of those. And so uh, Ed had ministered in this church and said, the candlestick has now moved to this church. Well, this young man was on staff with this church. But when the pastorate changed, uh, the father that had been pastoring passed it on to his son. And when he passed it on, the son thought, well, I got to have my own. I got to have my own identity. I got to define myself by my own and all this and kind of remove himself from what his father brought in. So he went and took all of Dad Hagen's CDs, tapes, everything, the books, everything, threw them in the trash can in the dumpster behind the church, and this staff member saw it. And so he went and said, well, I'm going to pull it out from my own library because I'm not throwing out this revelation. I'm not throwing out the message. And the pastor, the new pastor, saw him in the dumpster digging it out and he came out and threatened to fire him if he pulled anything out. He said, you're not feeding on that, you're not preaching that, and don't you ever, as a staff member, be listening to that. So he threatened to fire him. So when it got dark and everybody gone home, the staff member came back and dug it all out. But then God had that staff member to go start a church and the candlestick moved. And now that candlestick is on that other church. Why? Not because he's a better preacher, but because he honors the message. He honors what God showed to previous generations. That's how you go further in the plan of God. You hold to what God has already brought and keep building on that. Keep expounding on that. That's how you go further in your Christian life is you don't dismiss the testimonies of your parents. You don't dismiss the testimonies of your grandparents, but you keep telling them around the dinner table. You keep talking about them. You keep passing them on and driving that message into your children. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I asked, I asked God when he gave me Sister Amy's Castle. The home I live in is uh, Sister Amy Silver McPherson's vacation home. There have been several people that have tried to buy that home before it came into my hands. The church that owned it would not sell it to them. 
And uh, so when God told me he was going to give me that home, of course, I was thrilled. But there were, you know, I had some things I had to work out within myself of, uh, of the process and everything. But anyway, I ended up with that home. And I remember I was sitting in that home one day and I said, God, there are so many people who have regard for her ministry and love and follow uh, really the, the, the history of her ministry. And I said, it blesses me that you earmarked this for me. And I said, of all the people that really wanted it, I said, it just, I'm just amazed that you considered me, that I appreciate you earmarked it for me. And when I said that, he said, it's because of your honor for the pioneers of faith. What you honor, you get to participate in. Notice this. What you honor, you get to participate in. When you honor what God's done in your parents' life, you get to participate in what he's done in their life. When you honor the grandparents, you don't have to know, you don't even have to know the people. I never met Sister Amy, but I studied what God did. I wasn't studying her. I studied what God did through her. Because people have flaws. I'm not trying to imitate or replicate the flaws. I want to know what did God show? What did God reveal? What did God say? What was his pattern? I want to see how he works. I learn him when I hold to what he did through them. Amen. Now, you, you notice this, and I'll, and I'll just quote this for time's sake. John 14, 12, Jesus said... Verily, verily, I say unto you, who, he that believes on me, listen to this, the works that I do, shall he do also. Who's he talking about? Ones who come after him. Jesus. He that believes on me, after me, everyone who comes after me, the works that I do, shall he do also. That means you've got to study what happened in his ministry. Why? Because that's how you learn what he did. And you can't do what he did till you know what he did. You can't do what the previous generation did till you know what they did. But notice Jesus didn't say, you'll do greater works than me. He didn't say that. He said, the works I do, you'll do and greater works. You don't qualify to do greater works till you've done at least what he did. You don't qualify for a ministry or a church to go further until you can equal what the predecessors did. Well, praise the Lord. That's why you need to know what did God do through your family? What did God do in your church? God's still doing that. And you have to have your faith up to that level before he can take you further. You know, you might want to build a two-story house, but you can't build the second story till the first story is built. Revelation right there. There are people who want to go far in God, but if you can't even do what God did in the previous generation, if you don't have the faith for that, you're not going to have faith to go further. You have to build on the faith that the people already, the revelations they brought, the knowing of God that they brought, the understanding of God that they brought. Amen? You know what this does? This turns us into honorable people to where we honor those who went before us. Just because they're not on the earth doesn't mean they're not worthy of honor. Because one day, we're going to see him again. I remember one man told about a time he went to heaven, and he got to meet Enoch. And you know what Enoch asked him? Did you read about me? (laughs) Notice this. He wanted to know, did did, what happened in my life, did it matter to you? 
You don't want to get to heaven and Enoch say, did you read about me? You go, uh-uh. Say, like, no wonder you stayed on earth so long. Oh. <laughs> Amen. We don't want to. I, I teach our Bible school students. I teach a church history class. And I said, let me tell you why I teach you church history. Because one day you're going to see these people. And I don't want you to arrive ignorant. <laughs> don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass this Bible school by you facing these pioneers of faith and you go, who are you? It shows you're a bad student. Well, praise the Lord. Now, let me say, I say that to say this. It's always a wrong spirit that makes light of the previous generation. It's always a wrong spirit that wants to dismiss and not bring proper honor to those who laid foundations. The Bible says we're entering into the labors of another man. And for us to act like we got there by ourselves is a dishonor. The only reason my family and I are enjoying the blessings we're enjoying is because of a man named Dr. Ed Dufresne. And we know that. And we're not trying to take credit for our faith because if it weren't for him, we would be nowhere. And if it weren't for Dr. Kenneth E. Hagan, Ed Dufresne would be nowhere. Amen. If it weren't for, if it weren't for Dr. Jacobs and, and Pastor Diana, these, 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 this couple would not be as successful as they're being right now. It's because of previous ones. And it's for them that you've done what you've been able to do. And you've received the blessing. You need to always honor that. When you honor things, you go further because God sees that you treat the past right. If you don't treat the past right, how, how will you be faithful with the future? Praise the Lord. I don't let, my kids don't dishonor me. I make sure. You understand that? If they show disrespect and dishonor, uh, we're going to go us out to the woodshed. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I mean, I had a family member just the other day come in and tell me something, and I said, you get yourself out to that car. I'm talking about a grown man. You get yourself out to the car. I'm going to handle you. You're not going to come and talk disrespectfully in front of me. Amen. Why? It's that kind of thing that will protect their future. Don't you dishonor me. Don't you dare because it, the devil will the devil make sure he steals something from you yes. out of that flow of dishonor. Yes. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. You wanted a faith teaching, didn't you? You wanted to hear how you're going to get rich. This is how you're going to get rich. It's called a flow of honor. I tell you what, the only reason we are enjoying any measure of success is because someone labored before we got here. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Wrong spirits, wrong doctrines, and demons will always try to bring in error and brings it in by treating like the old people, like you need to get out of the way for the Joshua generation, the younger people. I heard that mess preached years ago. Let me tell you what, Joshua was no young man. He was an old man by the time he got to be a leader. And you know what? His young years were spent serving a man who was older than him. The only reason he got in was because the man of God put something in him. He laid hands on him and imparted a spirit of wisdom. Otherwise, he would not have gotten into where he was going. Joshua did not arrive until the man that people called the old man get out of the way. I heard people say that about Dad Hagen. Those people aren't around anymore. Why? Because you can't be dishonorable and God keep you on the forefront. Your dishonor will remove you from success. 
Praise the Lord. And I tell you what, our generation is so dishonorable. You're not taught it to honor things. We're not taught the honor of, we're just not taught the honor. Bless, we're, we got our rights. We're Americans, bless God. And I tell you that, that, that dishonor disqualifies people in God's system. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> when my husband went home to be with the Lord, my family and I were not sitting there scratching our heads going, now what are we going to do? You know why? Because all we do is we carry on in the same footprints that they were making when they left. We're not out trying to find our own trail, trying to find our own success, trying to show ourselves our own people. When Dad, Hagen, when Dad Hagen went home to be with the Lord, I've still got it in my, in my notes. You know what I did? I made a list. What was he preaching when he left? That's my, that's my direction. That's what I'm going to pick up and preach. I'm going to carry on with what God had him to start. I'm going to carry that on. Amen. And that's why people have said about me, this is what people have said about me, I, not something I said, but others have said, she's Brother Hagen in a skirt. Why? Because I know who to listen to. I'm not out trying to find a new message, trying to find a new flow, trying to find something hip and young. And I'm going to stay where the results are. I'm going to stay where the power of God and the revelation is flowing. I'm not out trying to appeal to people who are dishonorable. I'm trying to draw those who have the good ground that you can produce some fruit with. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, it's true anyway. I consider myself a steward of the revelations, the visitations, and the dealings of God through Dr. Ed Dufresne. I'm a steward of those. I'm a steward of the things that happened in Dad Hagen's life. That's why I keep telling it. Why, it's why I study his books, I Believe in Visions. Although they happen to him, they happen for us. And just because the man left doesn't mean that the revelations left. No. You know what the Bible is? It's a revelation that somebody else got, that God gave some, some other man. Yes. I've heard people say, well, Dad Hagen died, you know, so his books aren't as relevant anymore. I mean, stupid people. Stupid people said that. Well, if that's your approach, then why, why do you read the Bible? Because Paul's dead, in case you didn't know it. <laughs> See, they think they're deep. They're stupid. And the devil wants to use dishonor to rob the church of the weaponry, of the revelation, of the... Uh, of the of the momentum that has been gained by previous generations. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it's not so much about the man. It's about what God did through the man. And that's what we're holding to. So can I tell you just a few, just a few of the things that happened through this man named Ed Dufresne. I wrote a book of, um, you know, the big coffee table size. What was that? That was a book so the things that God did through him wouldn't be lost. Amen. So my grandchildren, to see, I fulfilled the law. I fulfilled the spiritual law. I'm helping keep my grandkids and my future and my great-grandkids and the future kids should, should Jesus tarry is coming. I'm helping keep them safe by letting them know where they came from and where they're headed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The sad thing is on this earth that when a person dies, a library dies. 
When my parents celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary, our family got together, put them in a circle, and got out a video camera and started asking them question after question. We want to hear all your stories. And it was just precious to hear the dealings that you see. Because, see, you don't always see the patterns of God when you look at an individual at an individual circumstance, but when you look at the beginnings, when they first got married to the time, now that they're 85, and you see the the big picture, then you see the patterns of God in their lives. Amen. Amen. I'd encourage you, do those kinds of things. When When your pastor gets up, and when his son and now the pastor gets up, listen to the stories. Don't let the testimonies, because Dr. Jacobs has so many uh, visitations and experiences. You're going to need those one day. One day, there's going to show up something in your life, and your answer is in that story. And if you didn't honor it enough to remember it or write it down, you're going to miss your answer. I tell you, your future is tied up in the remembering of what God's done in your man of God. Amen. Amen. Before my husband went home to be with the Lord, God said to him, this is probably about nine months to 12 months before he went home to be with the Lord. God said to him, you need to tell the story of those angels that paid off your building. You need to tell that more because by you not telling it, they're not able to work for you. But if you would tell it, they'll be able to do more of that for you. Now, see, I listen to that. That's why now I pick up telling the stories because those angels didn't go to heaven with Ed when he left. They're still in the earth. And if I will remember and honor the testimony of what they did and tell it, now I enable them to be able to produce that in our life. That's why it's important that you recount things because when you talk about it, faith grows. And when faith grows and puts a demand, then those things can be repeated in your life. You know how he would go and dig the wells of his father. He didn't go dig new wells. Remember, Jacob, he would go dig the wells of his father. Why dig new ones when the other ones have already been labored over? So what I do is when I need something, I start looking back through the catalog of the supernatural dealings of God in the, my, in the life of my husband. I say, where's my answer? My answer's in there. I've got to find it. I've got to find it. I've got to remember it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I do that. God works in patterns. You better learn that. You better learn the patterns of how he's worked in your life, in the life of your parents, in the life of your grandparents, or in the life of your local church. If you don't have a history spiritually with your parents or grandparents, you have a history with your local church. You can draw on that. How did God deliver us at times? How did God move? How did God speak? What pattern did he take? Because I can draw on that pattern. That's my family. Amen. So when my husband went home to be with the Lord, I started telling the story of those angels. And those angels are working for us. Now, it's an interesting thing because uh, I was having a prayer meeting with, it was just me and Pastor Noel and Ruby Ramos. Y'all know them? They were at my house and we were praying. And I heard Pastor Noel say some angels' names that I recognized. 
And uh, how did I recognize? Because I listened to Dad Hagen, and then I listened to my husband, and then I heard again coming out of his mouth. And uh, at the end of it, Pastor Noel said, what did your husband tell you about angels that worked with him? And he said, because God said to me, have her to tell you about the angels her husband spoke about. Because they were named. And I said, well, I know the ones about paying off the building. And I said a few other, and go, oh, wait a minute. I remember the year before he died, he's talked about certain angels and gave their names that were working with him now. And Pastor Noel said, yeah, and now they're working for you. Now, see, what if I hadn't remembered? What if I hadn't noted? God knew, but I had let that slip because it was, I only heard him say it, I think, once. But now I remembered it. Now I'm putting them to work. Now they're working for me. You understand that? That's part of my lineage, my spiritual lineage. Now, God said to me, in February of 2014, Ed went home to be with the Lord in October of 2013. 2014, February, I was closing down a service and God alerted me to something before I closed the service. And he said, you remember that there were a hundred healing angels that worked with your husband in the ministry? I said, yes, I remember that. Ed told about he was coming off a commercial flight years and years ago. It would have been in the early 80s. And God said to him, turn around. And when he turned around, he saw two rows of angels And there was 50 in each row, 100 angels. And he said to God, he said, what are those? He said, those are 100 angels that have been dispatched to work with you in the healing ministry. And that's why he had the results that he had in the healing ministry. And so God said to me in February of 2014, he said, you remember those 100 healing angels? And I I had forgotten about them since Ed's home going. He had to remind me. And he said, 50 of them stayed with you. But he said, 50, the other 50 were dispatched to other ministers who worked closely with your husband who also have healing ministries. He said, now, if you'll be faithful with those 50, then more will come. Now, notice, I have to be faithful with the ones that helped Ed. You understand that? I have to be faithful with the ones that the previous generation Amen. Amen. People don't realize in the spirit realm how important these things are. Amen. So Ed said, uh, he talked about those angels that had helped him financially. Whenever he was uh, needing to, he needed $126,000 to pick up the option to purchase the church building they were in. He didn't have the money. Three, three months before the money was due, he didn't have the money. And if he didn't have it within three months, they would lose the building and they would be out on the street, basically. And it's a long story, the backside of the purchase of it that I won't go into. But God told him he was on the road preaching one morning and he was going to be preaching the morning meeting in a convention. He was in the hotel room getting ready and God spoke to him that morning and he says, don't go to the meeting this morning, I want to talk to you. So he got another preacher to fill in for him. And he stayed in his hotel room and he was in there praying in the spirit and he heard the door open and he turned around and when he did, there were two big angels standing there. They were wearing armor 
and they had swords. And he said there were dents in their armor showing that they had been in combat. And he said those angels spoke to him and said, we've been sent from the throne room of heaven to straighten out your finances. And so they just stood there and looked at him. And he just stood there and looked at them. And then Ed said, well, what are you waiting on? He said, we're waiting on the faith command. And he said, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Go and cause the money to come and they disappeared. Two days before the money was due, a man came in and handed him a cashier's check for $126,000. Amen? Now, I remember that because I, need six and, I needed $6.5 million when Ed died. So you know what I did? They're waiting on the faith command. I remember that. I don't wait for God to have to give me that revelation. I draw back on that revelation. You understand that? And so to this time, nearly half of that has been paid off. Just all we, basically all we owe basically is on the building. But they're still working. Why? Because I remember what was dispatched to the man of God who preceded me. And I stay true to that message. And since they were working with him in that message, they'll work with me as long as I stay with the message. Now, if I change message, they're not obligated. I have to stay with what Ed, the flow Ed put us in. I don't understand why so many went a different direction when Dad Hagen died. Stay with the flow that the man of God put you in. That was for the last days. Amen. And so many people, I don't know how they pick up and leave their church where God put them. That's the flow God has for you in the last days. And the outcome of your family depends on you staying in the flow God put you in. Amen. When you remember, it's always a head scratcher to me how people have come to our church, their lives been put back together, their bodies healed. They take one little offense and leave and they drag their children out of a place of safety, drag their lives out of a place of safety because they would rather hold the offense than hold to the message. I had a precious lady and I appreciate something she did. And something she acknowledged and said to me, it shows that she's, you know, right with God. But she, she came in, she was talking to me, and she said she had several children. She says, I'm having problems with this one son. And she said, Pastor Nancy, I'm going to tell you why I'm having problems with him. She said, at a time that was very critical in his development, I got offended with my former pastor. And I pulled my family, my husband and my children, with my offense, I pulled them out of the church, and it was at a critical point in his life when he needed the local church. And she said, the fruit of what I'm having now is because I got offended and left the place God had for me. At least she acknowledged that. She owned up to that. Now, see, God can rescue in a situation like that because they're acknowledging. You know what would have been best? For her not to ever leave the place where where her future was to be. Now she's got something to deal with that God didn't intend that her deal with. But you don't leave the place when you remember, wait a minute, my family got healed here. I'm not going to let some little thing I don't understand pull me out. When someone's offended, most of the time it's because they don't understand something. It's not because what was given was offensive. It's because their hearing is, is lacking something. 
I tell you, don't forget what God's done for this church. Don't forget what God's done to bring in the money. Don't forget the things that your man of God has believed for and now his son is believing for. You need to hook on by remembering the testimonies God gave this church family. The angels that have worked with your former pastor, they will now work with your present pastor. They will work with your family. They will work with your church family to bring to pass the vision that God has given this place. If you remember and don't forget and don't dishonor. If we forget, can I tell you why? It's because we don't treat it as important. When my mother, uh, when my dad went home to be with the Lord, my dad was a character. You know, he was uh, born in 31 at the end of the Depression. But even though the Depression ended economically, it didn't end in the thinking of people. And my grandparents were children of the Depression, and my dad, they passed that thinking on. Even though the Depression is over, they're still living like they're in a Depression. So my dad didn't trust banks. So with a farmer that had a lot of money, he had money everywhere. (laughs) So uh, it was funny. One time we were getting ready to go down to my sister's house. This was years ago. And uh, we were in the the van getting ready to leave. And and we were getting ready to pull out. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I forgot something. He runs in the house. He comes back out and he's got several money bags. He said, here, throw those under the seat. And I said, what's in there? He's just, just, a little, just, a little, just a little cash, just a little cash. I pulled it out over $60,000. I'm sitting there in the front seat counting this, you know. You know, when you're a teenager, you like counting that stuff. It makes you feel like you got something. But that was my dad, you know. <clears throat> and I won't tell you all the stories, but there's many stories with dad and his money. And, uh, <clears throat> and so whenever he went home to be with the Lord, Stephen and I went. My mother had bought a new house, and so we went to help her move. And my sister called, and she said, Nancy, she said, uh, when y'all are moving, mother, said, there's four places Daddy hid money. I don't know if it's still there, but you go check. Well, we went there, and it was still there. I'm talking about total several million. Gold, silver, cash. Don't worry about it. It's not there anymore. You can't find it. It's all locked up safe. Ain't nobody going to get it. But, <clears throat> but notice this. My sister remembered where it was. Why? Because it held value. Yes. Yes. If you forget, it's because it's not valuable to you. You better learn what's valuable. Go back and it, it would benefit you anytime Dr. Jacobs or Pastor Diana or your, or your pastors tell any history. It would, it, would, uh, it would bless you. Make a history book for yourself of this church family. Write down things. Write down the details because it might not sound like a big detail to you now, but it could be your answer in the future. Amen. Amen. Your future is tied up in the revelations of the past. Amen. That's why God said, the dealings of God, the testimonies of God, it's a law that you pass them on because your children will be robbed from knowing God in a way that he should be known by knowing how he worked through men who are part of your lives. Amen. My husband used to make this statement. He said... 
Get under somebody who knows God better than you, then shut up. Amen. Amen. You have decades of those who have walked with God available to you. Every time you can, get under them and then uh, shut down what you think. And take note because that's your heritage. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Are you helped this morning? You have a heritage of faith that runs back generations and generations and generations and generations. I talk, we tell stories all the time about my husband to our grandchildren. Why? They don't remember him, but they're going to remember. And we put pictures up, not to make them sad, but to say, and we tell them all the stories. Angels came to him. We talk to them in front of them. Why? Because this is what part of their success in the future is knowing the God who did what he did in the past. Amen. When you honor something, you get to participate in it. When you don't honor it, it will go to the person who will honor it. I believe that there have been things entrusted to our ministry right now that really was intended for other ministries, but because we know how to honor it, it came over to us. Amen. When you honor what God's done through your former pastors and your present pastors, what God did for them will come over into your life. Amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the word. I said it's the word. Praise the Lord. I was talking to Morgan and Stephen, I I mean Morgan and Grant, because Grant will one day be the, the, you know, the primary pastor at our church. I'll still be head over everything. You know, I told him, I said, you better be careful who you marry because you married the wrong person. I'm not handing you the church. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to take this thing off course because it's not about the family. It's about the message. You're not going to mess it up. We have spent years, decades getting this thing in the right flow and getting it going the right direction. And I told my children, you're not marrying someone out of a different camp either. God didn't raise you up in this camp to all of a sudden change the flow when you get married. He raised you in the flow he intends your life to go. So you're going to marry someone out of this camp who knows how to flow with what, with what God's doing in this ministry. Amen. You go, boy, you're hard. No, I'm interested in the success of what God began. I'm not going to let the devil abort it by someone who doesn't have knowledge and someone who doesn't honor what was part of their past. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But I was talking to Morgan and Grant, and I was telling them, I said, you know, I put some things in place in our services. And they weren't doing it on purpose, but I said, I put some things in place, and y'all let those slip. Y'all haven't been doing that. I said, whenever we give the offering, I've always had the people to confess the word over their offering. I said, you're not doing that. You need to do that. I've taught you that because they need to release their faith with their giving. It's not just about putting money in a bucket. It won't help them. They've got to release their faith. And the way to release the faith is speak the word over their giving. So these little things you're letting drop are going to hurt the people in the future. You see? And Mark's go, yeah, 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 we'll put that back. But see, it's little things. Pay attention to the little things. Amen. Because God taught us these things through our own experience with him. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's a little bit different direction today, but I tell you what, it's for your success. It's for you to stay on course. That's why when Ed left and went, went to heaven, we weren't wandering. We weren't floundering. We weren't going, well, I don't know what to do. I know exactly what to do. Amen. I might carry it out a little bit different. I mean, I will say this. 
The day I died, I said, the pace changes around here. He kept us running so hard and fast, our nose was always to the grindstone. And I said, that's not my pace. But I said, the pace is going to change, but the message and the method and how we do it, it's going to stay the same. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell somebody what God's done for you. Tell somebody. You know, it would be good for you to sit around the dinner table and say, we're going to tell one story today about something of the past. We're going to tell something about, I'm talking about a spiritual story, not about how you know how daddy hit somebody in the back barn, you know. (laughs) Those, Those you can tell too, you know, those are always entertaining. But don't let slip what God's done for you. Talk about the times he healed you. Talk about the times he provided for you. Talk about when he did something in the church. Talk about a service. Talk about how somebody got healed. They've shared with us, even while we've been here, different healing testimonies of y'all. You know what? When I remember that, there's my answer in that for me. Amen. Amen. Don't cast these things aside because they're part of your future success. Amen. Well, stand with me to your feet this morning. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that you have given us such a rich history of faith. Father, we honor that. We're so grateful to carry on in the same spirit, the same message, the same flow that you started us in. Father, we honor your dealings with those who have imparted into our lives. Thank you for giving us faith testimonies. Thank you for giving us healing testimonies. Uh, provision testimonies. Thank you for all these testimonies and Father, we'll share them because somebody's help is locked up in our testimony. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. You know, I tell our congregation, what are you going to be doing while you're out this week? Each one, reach one. Tell somebody what God's done for you because there's people all around you that are hurting. It's not about you, about being embarrassed to share. It's about them. And they need to hear. You don't have to preach them a sermon. Just preach them what God's done for you. When you see, someone in Christ, when you see somebody going through a, a, a marital problem, say, listen, I've been there. I know when I ha- what God did for me and my family. When we were getting off course, this is what he did. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. You need to come to church and hear how God's going to do that for you. You see, it's not, about, it's not just about you, you being embarrassed to tell it. Somebody's help and somebody's future is in what God, the story of your life. Remember where we started? Jesus sat down in front of this precious woman of God and said, tell me your stories. I want you to know you could see that as the people you come across that really they need to hear your stories. Amen? Amen. And don't forget the stories of your church family. Those are the best stories, the faith stories of your life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor.